Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is long overdue. I have absolutely no idea why it took us so long, but welcome to the show, Freshy Prakash. Thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Hello. And thank you, before we start, for being so supportive of our work and being such a great friend. Um, and Brad, Prakash um, is actually your birthday mate. Isn't it? Birth, birthday twin. Ravashi is my birthday twin. And, uh, you know, the middle of February, right before we celebrate the lovely holiday. Holiday? No, it's a Valentine's Day. I don't know what a holiday is. It's a Hallmark it, Day. It's, it's it, Hallmark Day or not. It's, you know, it it is very apropos of, of Ravashi and I. I could tell that we're kindred spirits, not just connected by birthday. He's the smarter one. I could say that. <laughs> Well, he has his way with words. Smart that Alec, perhaps. Test. Smart Alec, perhaps, yeah. <laughs> and my spell checker, yes. Um, so <laughs> before, before we start, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Uh, so actually, I started my career back in 2000. And I actually wanted to make video games and uh, got trained in that. and very early market in India uh, back in 2000 uh, to get trained in, you know, 3D animation and computer graphics and things like that. So here I am, my first job ever, um, I'm trying to sell out posters to this um, insurance company, a private insurance company, which is also new uh, for India because we always had a public insurance company called Life Insurance Corporation of India. And there's this private insurance director and two of his very fancy looking people sitting by his side. And he goes up to me and he says, you're not good with colors. I think you should try numbers. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, that's phenomenal feedback. And he's like, so do you want to get into numbers? And five days later, fancy salary, good office, I'm selling life insurance. So that's how I got into um, banking. And uh, I've worked with some of the best banks for the last 20 years uh, across the world. And uh, off late, I have been working, well, I took a break to take care of my family business. Um, but post that, I have some things gearing up now with the new year coming in. And um, let's just see if my luck turns in 2021. You know, one of, one of the things that I think is interesting is um, I started my career in doing direct marketing uh, for financial service companies that were selling different types of insurance. So my birthday twin and I started out with insurance, but I actually probably a year into doing the insurance thing, went and interviewed at Electronic Arts. And I decided, um, along with a friend of mine who ended up being the best man at my wedding, um, we both actually interviewed at Electronic Arts and we were very excited about it, but everybody started as a product tester, mm -hmm. everybody, no matter what. And um, what's, what's interesting is, you know, to, to take that pay cut from selling, you know, mass marketed products uh, with financial service companies and, and doing that. Uh, so Urbashi and I are tied, I think, more than um, 
we, we, we just have a, a date in common. All right. So, so going into that, going into that, I, I digress. It's very early in the morning when we're recording this. So despite everything that has happened around the world in this past year, fintech as an ecosystem, it was a very active year for fintech. Some might even say productive. So what are some of the things that, that surprised you the most during the past year? So we've been reading, I mean, I tweet a lot. I think I lose followers because of the fact that I tweet a lot. But uh, what surprised me the most, regardless of the products that we have, regardless of the new firms that we've uh, built up on, is consumer trust and confidence in the system. That surprised me the most because of the fact that, you know, people still wanted more and were okay with experimenting with that. Um, while people argue that, you know, the ease of lending and inclusion has helped many, I would still be, you know, the cautious one and say, hey, let's, you know, be a little careful and spread out the risk. But then that's the operations person in me saying that. The second thing that keeps me motivated and hopeful is the innovation curve, because we've seen a steady green and a growth, uh, partly accelerated due to the pandemic. But we do, we have seen a revolution in the financial services industry. Uh, but I'm hoping 2021, it will be more consumer centric, whether it is by a singular product design, a change in architecture, or the rise of the phenomenal buzzword, which has just uh, come up, super apps. Yeah, I think the word super app, but we, we, we talked about it the other day too, right? What are some of the buzzwords of, of the year? <laughs> yeah. And um, that's been going on for, for quite a while and it was going really, really strong. Um, I know that between between the few of us, we were always asking, you know, why is it that we see the rise of super apps more prominently or perhaps easier in some ways? <laughs> in Asia, mm -hmm. right? In the likes of China and um, Southeast Asia and, mm -hmm. and India and um, even Japan and Korea, they're trying to come up yeah. with, with their own. Whereas, you know, would we ever see that in the West? And, and there was a lot of speculation in, in terms of, well, you know, how much are consumers willing to place their trust in one singular entity? In this case, will be a singular Google or a singular Apple or one of those big tech firms, or would that be a different player in the market altogether, uh, Amazon mm -hmm. and the likes, um, that will be doing that? I, I mm -hmm. think the consumer sentiment is a tad different, though, isn't it? Or are we that much different? I always wonder, to your question, you were saying, you know, consumer trust and their confidence in the system. Yeah. I am always skeptical on how much information I'm willing to give to these firms. Um, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because recently I literally just had that conversation with, with the kids. Um, we had all the three virtual assistants at home. We have Google, uh -huh. we have Alexa, Amazon mm -hmm. Alexa, and, um, and we have Apple HomePod. Oh, okay. And, and so, you know, we always have fun, you know, trying to, 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 um, ask the same questions yeah, of the three the different table. assistants. Yeah. <laughs> trying to see which one will answer us in the way that we want. Um, make a long story short. <laughs> We started talking about how some of these will accidentally respond even when we are not seeing the trigger word 
And it freaks us out. Even my kids are like, this is really freaky. And lately, they started mm -hmm. unplugging those devices. I didn't even wow. ask them to. They're like, you know, this is, we, we don't want these little boxes start listening to us. And we don't want them to be in the middle of our conversation. So my daughter, last night at dinner, she just went up and unplugged them. Wow. And she's eight, right? She's and so, <laughs> and when I look at her, and then I'm like thinking back, well, what is going on in here? Well, if if you go back and talk about consumer trust, right? Uh, I know I talked about this sometime back, not talked about it, tweeted about it. Uh, I don't talk too much, uh, but uh, I tweeted about data sometime back, right? How much of our data is already out there? How much of it is getting sold? How much of it is already available to firms? So what we can do now is protect that, but there would always be loopholes in the system. There would always be a way for people to get into, the, into that data. So there is no clean data anyways. So uh, I, I'm just gonna go with the flow because how much can I keep changing my privacy settings, right? You can't remember it all the time. Um, yes. and I think that's the scary part, right? To your yeah. point is, where is the consumer advocacy? Who is the one who's gonna stand up for us and protect our data that's, that's scattered everywhere, literally? No, no, no. I was just going to say, you know, think about the EU and in multiple countries kind of coming together with PSD2 and other sort of um, data and payment sort of regulatory framework that protects mm -hmm. those things. In the United States, we do have some, you know, national privacy laws, obviously, but California came out a year ago with the CCP and basically did their own version of PSD2. What's the equivalent in India? Do you have those type of data protections? <laughs> No, <laughs> no, we don't. We still have, we still have fragments of a bill which are being shared. I do have a presentation somebody made and shared it with me sometime back, but it's too heavy for me to go over the holidays. But through that presentation, I cannot see how we are protecting people who have just been included into the system. I know we've been waving banners about financial inclusion. It doesn't make sense without financial education. Where are you, whether it's biometrics or whether it's just a signature or whether it's your facial recognition through EKYC, you know, where are you or who are you giving that information to? And, and who protects that? And how much of it is uh, protected by the government how much is it or is it divided between the corporation and the government and if we do not get an answer from the corporation how long will it take for the government to actually give us our data back because by then i know it will be sold your whatsapp number gets sold within minutes so this this is huge so i i still think that that's, that's our biggest worry because we do not have a tighter regulatory environment here. Um, 
we have, uh, for example, I read this this morning about a young woman who took a loan of an app which was available on the Play Store for uh, $100 and she had to kill herself because she couldn't pay it back and that, the amount of harassment that she faced because of that, she, she just, and she's what, 21 years old? That, that's horrible. That's horrible that the fact that we have no control over what's happening. Um, we want to control the big tech. We want to control the market. We want digital markets, but we are not protecting the people who are actually using those markets. I think what you said um, resonates with us in, in the sense that there are a lot of things that we want and there's a lot of premise when it comes to digital innovation yeah. and being able to extend services to people that who otherwise didn't have access to it. But mm -hmm. I feel like as a society and as an ecosystem, I don't think we are equally prepared to deal mm -hmm. with the consequences of extending that power. Um, yeah. To your point, you know, or do we have the safeguard and the tools to let the consumers know what it is that they're signing up for and the impact of it. Do we have the tools and the boundaries being set for the companies who are offering those services to protect the consumers who are signing up for something who might not be entirely um, up to speed on, on what is going on, right? A lot of that is, for example, the buy now, pay later, uh, all the um, conversations yeah. we have had in the last half year, yeah, sure. You know, it, it is making it easier for people to get certain things, but is it doing so responsibly or are we digging people into much more debt that they shouldn't have to begin with? Like the last few days, you know, I was, I was doing some online shopping for my kids and, um, you know, cause it's after the holidays and you can look for things and I can get things in advance. Every single place I went to, there was a buy now, pay later option being offered by How many options did you have? Yeah. Hmm. Well, not, as, not as much okay. as, as, as some that I saw online. I think, uh, uh, Nina tweeted out some that she got like 10 yeah. of those, but I, I got, I got enough and, and it was small purchases and it was enough to annoy me that I'm like, wait a minute, this is not right because it's so easy to choose that. And everywhere you go, you end up buying more stuff. Um, I, I think it's dangerous, especially within the the uh, economy that we have right now. Um, and I hope that you know somehow that will change, and and somehow we would we would do the thing that is right for consumers. Um, speaking of which, so when we're talking about all of these changes and and uh, innovation in terms of fintech that's coming through, oftentimes we tend to forget about half of the world, shall we say? I think. Um, Someone say, oh, you know, such and such uh, entity is the first time they do X. And then someone else always comes out and say, no, wait a minute. This has already happened in India and China or Southeast Asia <laughs> and what have you. Um, I, I think there are a lot that has been happening in the Far East that's way more interesting. Um, we're not biased. Uh -huh. Absolutely not. Um, what do you think is going to happen next year um, and, and the next two, three years, shall we say? 
after the dust settles and after, you know, we somehow get into a new mode of living and working? <laughs> so uh, I see, you know, what's been happening is that the mysterious East, right, have concentrated markets. So therefore they're like, okay, they're still dealing with cash. Let's not talk about them. But once you develop the app, they're like, or you travel, you're like, nobody's using cash here. Hello, what's happening? Because we're way ahead of the curve. But uh, now that with Ant Group, with Tencent, I think they've, they've gotten people to recognize the kind of innovation that is happening in the East, whether it's India, whether it's Southeast Asia, whether it's China. Now, China's always been ahead, whether it's technology, AI, payments, it's always been ahead. And we're still playing catch up. Unfortunately, they're facing issues right now with the government, with people cutting off their legs. Unfair, in my honest opinion. But <laughs> uh, I, I still see that there is a tremendous, tremendous amount of growth opportunity here in Asia. Because if you look at some of the things that Indonesia and Vietnam are doing, they, um, they finally have insurance, they finally have uh, uh, payment options, they finally have immediate salary credit. So, you know, these firms coming up quicker have, uh, have these people, you know, they have their access to their money faster than just the usual exchange of cash, which is phenomenal. But I also think that uh, we have to look out for London. Now, London has been the innovation capital. Uh, won my heart in 2008. Still had been biased away. I still feel that there's good coming out of there. But like we talked in the beginning, leadership changes everything. You have a good leader. You have the right people. Innovation thrives. And... Uh, if you look at the conversations that are happening in China right now, I saw multiple threads on Twitter today stating that what's happening with Ant Group is what we should do with the big tech now to control their growth. You cannot control their growth. They're not children. You can't just like, put them in kindergarten again. Come on. There have to be better ways. If they've gone ahead and expanded and provided that service, either you match up to it or you provide the right regulations at, say, the initial point of sale. That, you know, this is what you comply with. Otherwise, this doesn't go through. But uh, I see a lot of growth happening uh, in Asia in the next three years. I'm phenomenally excited about it but uh, like I said I am really you know gonna say that spread the risk spread the risk just don't stick to lending that is not uh, the consumer product that people are looking for there has to be uh, better things that we can do there there have to be better products so, uh, for example, 
uh, I'm really I'm really interested in uh, designing this uh, futures product for water because water is going to be really scarce, especially in a country like India. Water futures, phenomenal product to sell, phenomenal product to design, but nobody seems to be talking about those yet. Yeah, if you think about it, water, uh, natural resources, right? That That's something that we need to always think about, especially in regions in, in India. When we're writing about our book, we started reading about the challenge that the area faced in terms of water. And Arun mentioned that a couple of times um, in, in passing as well. But agree yeah. with you that that needs to be, or sustainability, right? Those are our survival that we need to pay more attention to. In terms of funding, though, um, I, I read recently that it seems like the funding for the startup ecosystem in India um, in 2020 has gone down a bit compared to the year before, partly because of the investment by the Chinese giants have reduced um, in right. 2020. Um, so it, it, it's, it's always interesting. Part of me almost switched that. I wish there is a richer and more active local funding system mm -hmm. within India, right? From some of the big companies that can come up and, and fund the local innovations. Um, is that right. something you think will happen from some of the big players? Of course, uh, I think that leaves us with no option because the fact that we're cutting China off, um, we're... Uh, we're going ahead and saying that, you know, we're going to develop apps or, or on our own just to cater to people, uh, the Indian market. But, of course, that's not sustainable. You can't just concentrate on the app in, in the Indian market, right? It is going to grow. So, uh, uh, like, say, um, my favorite, right, Reliance. It's been going chomp, 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 chomp. Acquire, acquire, acquire. I, in fact, thought I'd make another Twitter account, right? Just to see what they're doing and just to keep up with the kind of stuff that they're doing. But they've been taking over. They've been just taking over for me. So, uh, but what's surprising is that they've taken over firms which were known for innovation. And, uh, that is not helping the market. So if, if you are going to promote local people to invest in homegrown companies, make it easier. Make it, make it easier for firms to come in. Make it easier for people to come in and say that, you know, we're going to invest in X amount and this is what we're going to do and this is the kind of government subsidy that we can, we can get and this is the kind of uh, protection that we, we require, and this is this is the kind of law that we would abide with, but that's that's still very new, very new, because we fell from fourteen billion dollars, I think, uh, in 2019, 2020, to uh, I think nine point three or nine point six billion, and that's a huge fall. Let's 
<clears throat> let's get let's get back into uh, sort of the the way that fintech has changed, you know, culture mm-hmm. and changed, you know, the conversation around financial inclusion and sort of other things that I think I think make fintech more broadly interesting to how it changes, you know, our our society. When you when you <clears throat> think about WhatsApp and what they're trying to do in India, they're mm-hmm. now live with 20 million users and you know, it's almost like India becomes the test bed that China never could for Western companies. Uh-huh. And, you know, you're, you're sort of allowing these tech giants to play in the space like Amazon with credit, you know, came in, in, in a big way in India and in credit. Um, mm-hmm. I used to call in, in the U.S., I used to call mobile check deposit the gateway drug into mobile banking because it was really the, the killer app that started people to think, oh, I could do something on my phone that relates to banking. But everywhere else in the world, the gateway drug to, you know, really leveraging your phone for financial services has been payments. And then now it's credit and everything else. But, you know, payments are so crowded. But if India becomes this test bed and you have companies like Paytm and others that are already big players, um, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, payments and we've talked about credit and doing responsible things. We, we do need more regulation. We do need more controls in order to, to not have what will soon be the largest market in the world in India, you know, because right. India will surpass China very quickly in terms of population. What's going to, what's going to happen around payments you think in, in terms of what's happening in India? I think, uh, well, it's interesting because WhatsApp has tied up with Geo, and again, brings me back to my famous Reliance link. And, um, with Reliance coming in with their new 5G uh, phones uh, next year, uh, they are also coming out with their, with their own platform. Uh, so uh, I, I think it, uh, the payment scheme is going to change, but there is also room for growth because India is such a massive market. Um, now, what Reliance did, did was open up that market. Until now, we had Vodafone Idea and Airtel dominating this, uh, the scene. And um, getting internet on your phone was unaffordable. Reliance changed that. Reliance ensured that, you know, everybody had a phone, was connected. There were more towers. There was, there was better connectivity. And there was relay of information. So once information is shared across with people that you can receive payments via a QR code or uh, a message that changes a lot of things. And uh, I think WhatsApp is going to change that. WhatsApp, I think, will uh, start uh, growing much faster. Paytm. is moving towards a super app with all its offerings, the Paytm Mall and insurance and everything else happening on its website, but it's also a saturated firm, in my opinion. They have to start innovating and doing more in terms of getting confidence back into the system. So, um, 
I think the the war is going to be between WhatsApp, Reliance Geo, and Paytm. And, and, and what about, you know, the uni unified payment interface that the government put in place? I mean, they, they had put over two and a half billion almost um, payments through in October. When you when you think about what you had said earlier about, you know, sort of having a, a alternative to a yeah. private or public company within a market like India. I mean, I wish every single, you know, country had um, these type of rails that have been built as an alternative. Mm -hmm in order to make sure that, you know, what we're doing under their apps and what we're saying into these devices and all these other things aren't simply funneling us into an ecosystem that someone's making a profit off of. So, you know, earlier this year, we had started out, you know, with a conversation with the Gates Foundation and what they're doing with payments across the, the world and providing an open source payment rail um, mm -hmm. infrastructure to be able to build these type of things. Um, I think, you know, UPI is, is sort of a good foil as an alternative to ensure that not just for inclusion sake, but for, you know, the, the pressure to have an option to these public companies, because payments should be simply, you know, ubiquitous, nearly free, if not free, and simply moving data from one point to another, you know, I, I just, I, I don't get it. But to me, UPI is a great example of having that foil. It's it's fantastic, but I also see a huge amount of failure rate. But that's also because I'm always rooting for fintech. And I'm also rooting for uh, newer firms, and I'm rooting for uh, people like Razorpay and uh, PhonePay and uh, uh, all these other apps that we have. Because, uh, like you said, alternative is always phenomenal. It's good to have options, but again, going back to failure rate, our transaction costs don't make sense sometimes. So there's a huge pressure on the system, and we have to develop that. And once that's developed, I agree, it, it's going to be a huge challenge to the private players. But yes, the system needs uh, a stronger uh, infrastructure. So before we close, um, what are some of the biggest challenges that you think we'll run into as an industry in Asia and, and globally this year? Because, you know, I know that 2020, nobody had COVID-19 or social distancing on the bingo card. Um, I remember we started the year, a year ago, hopeful, and mm -hmm. we had our eyes on payments because that was a red hot topic at that time. It feels like we fast forwarded a year. We're still talking about payments, but now we're also talking about more people working remotely. We're talking about potentially, um, you know, having different power structure, if you will, within um, all of the different countries. A lot has happened uh, mm -hmm. in a year's time. Um, what do you think some of the challenges that we'll, we'll need to watch out for? Well, apart from the usual uh, red flags like regulation and confusion and um, with Brexit coming in, etc. Um, one of the biggest challenges across the world is leadership. 
Uh, and the second biggest hurdle that I think are the, are the fact that you know, fin the financial industry, they've been working as independent entities and not communicating. And that, I think, is the biggest reason that we have, you know, a huge number of calls and the flood of emails, etc. But I, I think that the communication barrier should be changed. Regionally, um, well, the developments in China are interesting, but should not be, you know, uh, the preset for other uh, economies. And uh, love the collaborative efforts of Singapore. I, I, uh, it's always on my radar. I love the work that MAS is doing. It's, it's so positive. It's so challenging. And, and the fact that they've actually grown so much faster than anybody else in, in Asia is, is phenomenal. Um, like I mentioned, I also love Vietnam and Indonesia. But uh, coming back to challenges, I think uh, uh, it, it's just going to be collaboration and the fact that countries actually start talking to each other and see that we can work together. Um, and similar rules apply to a person uh, sending a payment from Russia to India or from Sweden to India or India to Pakistan or India to Australia. So I think that is something that we have to start working on. It also changes the supply chain and various other industries, et cetera. So, so if we start, if we don't work together, we're never gonna make it up. We're still gonna have economies shrinking down and developing economies coming, going down to underdeveloped economies, which shouldn't be the case. Well, I would just say that technology has a way of uh, bringing people together. And um, I would have never guessed that in the middle of India somewhere was my birthday twin and that we would be <laughs> um, connected through this this world of fintech. So uh, I, I will wish you uh, from both of us a early birthday by the time this airs. Um, but it's so good to finally meet in person of sorts. Uh, yeah. and put, put a face to the name of Ashi. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations on your book. I really look forward to reading it. I'm hoping I can get, you know, a personalized message on it from both of you soon. But, well, we shall see. I am always hopeful. I always carry it in my handbag. You never know when I'll bump into you guys. Hey. I, I would like that and just watch for your mail. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> and for that, thank you everyone for listening to another episode of One Vision. We'll talk to you next week.